We're trying to conduct a serious scientific investigation. Science, logic, reason. Do you have any hard data? Now, that's what I call science. Hello, listeners. You're listening to That's What I Call Science, the weekly radio show and podcast that brings independent and interesting STEM, so that's science, technology, engineering and maths, to you from Tasmania. This show is supported by Edge Radio, Hobart's premium youth station. So head over to edge.org.au for more info. My name is Ollie Dove and I'm joined by my co-host Sarah Lydon today. But before we begin... I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are recording. We are recording here on Luchwita, and I pay my respects to the Palawa people. And I would also like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land from where you are listening in from. On behalf of everyone here and at home, I pay my respects to elders past and present. So Sarah, who do we have with us today? So today's guest is Samantha Chapman, who works in transport engineering at GHD. Sam is the Young Professional Engineer of the Year for Tasmania this year and that is an award which is presented by Engineers Australia recognising the contribution of young engineers to the industry. So welcome Sam. Thank you. So just to get started could you tell us a little bit about what type of engineering work you do and what inspired you to become an engineer? I guess as you said I work in transportation engineering and that's quite a broad field I think I've been fortunate um, graduating as a civil engineer to be exposed to many different tasks and roles within engineering. And when I talk about transport, a lot of people think about cars and, and in Tasmania, that is a very predominant part of our transport network. But being a transport engineer can be a lot broader than that. It's more about solving problems to do with connectivity, mobility, access, and that is around connecting people, connecting goods and services, connecting intrastate, interstate, internationally. And there's a lot of broad roles and inputs that go into that. Going to what inspired me to become an engineer, I know growing up, I didn't have a lot of ideas exactly what career I wanted to have, but I knew that I wanted to do something that involved you know, solving problems, being challenged, looking at new and different things all the time, having an affinity for maths. I was encouraged from a very young age, why don't you try engineering? And as a young kid, I was like, oh, I'm not so sure about science, but I I hadn't tried physics yet. And the advice that actually got me to study engineering was someone said to me, because they, they knew I really wanted to do something that had that social impact and holistic thinking and they said study engineering and no matter what you end up doing it it might not be directly working as an engineer but it'll give you the skills to find a career that'll that'll allow you those opportunities to always be trying new challenges and do something that's very connected to the societal problems. That's awesome that someone gave you that advice early on when I was back at school I had never really heard of engineering who gave you that advice? Uh, That was actually my dad so yeah good, good advice from him. Fantastic and I think you don't often see many females engineers so over your time working in the engineering sector has the visibility increased at all do you think or are there ways that it could develop further just let other girls whose dads might not encourage them into engineering to know that it's a viable career for them definitely yeah I think credit to my dad he never looked at any sort of gender barrier he encouraged me just as he would have encouraged a son to go into engineering my experience I think generally in society is that Although we do see some people that think 
certain roles might be for male or female or you know reserved for certain groups of people generally we see that kind of thinking as quite small-minded and that it is diversity that that makes you know teams successful and particularly in challenges like engineering we really need that I've been very fortunate in my career with the amount of women that I've had around me at my company when I started there was quite a senior person that was a female engineer and I now uh, still work with her but in a team of eight out of ten female engineers but that is an exception a shame for everyone that's not in our team and I've also been privileged through being involved in various other parts of engineering being involved in committees through Engineers Australia there's a lot of females involved um, in those groups because the females that are engineers definitely the ones I've crossed paths with are always so dedicated and motivated and really exciting people to be around. So Sam, um, that's really great to hear you talking about how, you know, you went into engineering to have like a societal impact. I think it's something that's often really well connected with engineering or with people's perception of what engineering involves. So that's really, really nice to hear. But could you tell us a little bit now about the uh, Engineers Australia Award you received this year? Definitely. I think it's interesting because as part of the award, I actually joined the finalists from other states in Sydney and we had a conversation about just that, that because engineering is abstract and it contributes so much to society that it's not well understood that side of it and it's a really exciting part that we need to share more. This year, I was very fortunate that that same female colleague that I mentioned um, when I started, as she came to me and said, look, myself and your boss have discussed and we'd really like to put you forward and nominate you for this award, um, which in itself was very humbling and flattering to have people that you look up to acknowledge you in that way. And I was fortunate enough to have been the Tasmanian uh, winner this year. So that process involved an application that included some of the different projects I'd been on and an interview process talking about a lot of the things um, I'm sure we'll talk about today and have already touched on. Engineers Australia uh, put forward the award to look at uh, young engineers that are contributing particularly in areas of innovation and sustainability with sustainability being, from my perspective, a really critical part of engineering and the engineering challenges that we have ahead. Awesome. Well, congratulations on the award. It's a huge achievement to be recognised in such a way. So stay with us, listeners. We're going to be going for a short break. But when we get back, we're going to be hearing more about Samantha's work. You're listening to That's What I Call Science, and today we are talking about transportation engineering. My name is Sarah Lydon, and I'm joined by Ollie Dove, along with our expert guest, Samantha Chapman. Sam, in this section, we want to talk a little bit more about the actual kind of day-to-day work that you do, the engineering challenges that you face. Um, So is there a project that you might have worked on throughout your career at some point that you'd like to share a little bit of information with us about? So many. I think I find... What I get to do day to day, um, incredibly exciting. It's often a challenge for me that I, I can't share some of the work that I do when it's, um, you know, in the media or different politically divisive projects attached to it. But so one part of my work that I find really exciting, um, and I say part because I get the opportunity to do so many different things that a typical day is is hard to define, but. One of the technical areas I work in is around travel demand management 
uh, which I think in engineering style sounds a lot more boring than it really is. And so this, this field of work is around looking at how different choices we make on transport networks and also how we discuss transport networks actually influences the behaviours of people. I think a really unique thing about the field of transport engineering that I find so interesting, um, in, in a lot of fields of engineering, you model different things and you might look at modelling flow and the challenge and the unique part of transport engineering is you're actually modelling the flow of people and unlike fluids, uh, people have behaviours that are near to impossible to predict at times. Um, so what uh, transport engineers try to do in travel demand management is actually look at different ways that those behaviours are formed and how different design choices on a network might change choices people make in how they travel, what time they might travel, whether they travel at all, and also the experience that that journey provides. So I've had the opportunity to work on various projects that involve this, so looking at it for different campuses, um, so such as how people travel to the university, looking at it for um, specific events. So I've worked with Dark Mofo before. Um, Sounds like an interesting place for a transport engineer to end up. Uh, So as part of Dark Mofo Festival, in, in order to get all those exciting events up around the city, a few roads often have to be closed. Um... And there's also the way people move drastically changes by a festival of that size. So I had the privilege of being involved with the event management team and and looking at how the festival rolls out and how we work with the interactions of the road network for um, the festival for a number of years now. Um, and, And that same thing applies when we have to close roads for various reasons across the network and it's the challenge is being quite creative in the ways that we think about how people could move and and what is the best outcome for people. The transport engineer also sounds like a DJ name that could actually appear at Dark Mofo uh, if you want a little, little side hustle and to go along with the engineering there. So when you're deciding what roads to block off, is it very similar from year to year given that it's an annual event or is there a lot of flexibility um, between how you approach the problem each year? I think the team at Dark Mofo are are a really great team to work with, um, but they don't shy away from a challenge. Um, And although there's a lot of familiarity that local Tasmanians experience with the festival, it fundamentally changes in, in huge ways every year. So one year you would recall there was a person buried under one of our arterials. Um, I do not recall. I've actually only <laughs> been here since the end of 2019, I think. So maybe I missed that. I think that was 2018. So oh, there you go. just missed the <laughs> human burial. Sounds very grim though. Um, and one of the years that I was particularly involved, uh, they had a large focus around the domain area, which is right adjacent to the Tasman Highway. So, yeah, the, the challenges ch- change every year, which um, makes it more of, a, more of a challenge, more exciting and different. Um, doesn't make it easy by any means. Talking still about 
this travel demand management side of your work, have you noticed any shifts in, the, in any of the work that you've done in the space in the last couple of years in terms of how people's behaviour might have changed with a lot more people working from home following the pandemic or people changing their behaviour in terms of avoiding public transport or anything like that? It's a really interesting question because definitely um, I'm sure in all industries the pandemic had unprecedented impacts and changes and things we would never expect. One of the really interesting pieces for me is I think it it opened within transport industry as a whole um, nationally it, it really opened up a concept of what if and looking at different scenarios working from home was a relatively rare concept I think prior to the pandemic I personally had only done it one day before the pandemic and now I've you know choose to do it at, at my own luxury and I, and I think one of the interesting things is just seeing how people you know you see media articles about this phenomenon of traffic congestion and how it's gotten too far and then this change that happened almost removed traffic completely from our roads to this point where it was like why are we wasting this space on road when it could be more places for people to have you know more room in markets for social distancing and these different things so I think it really actually inspired a lot of the industry to think a bit differently um and I I like that you brought up I guess the pandemic is an example because when you talk about looking at behaviours in in transport, those sort of events are the sort of things you have to think about and that's how holistic it has to be because a pandemic or an ageing population really changes the conditions that you're designing for. Um, and it is one of those interesting societal parts of the role that I really enjoy. So on that topic of taking a holistic view of the, the transportation work that you do, in particular considering the impacts of engineering decisions on communities, could you kind of elaborate more for our listeners what kind of that looks like in terms of um, you know making an engineering decision but applying some consideration of the impact it has on a community? Definitely. So fortunately as part of my role um, at GHD, I've been involved in a global research initiative that we call Future Communities. Um, So I'm in a core team that is looking at the interaction of transport and other urban challenges. So an an important side in in any sort of transport decision um, is is acknowledging that it, it has a broader impact. I think Everyone's probably sat in traffic before and thought, oh, there should be another lane there. I'd be able to get home really quickly. But roads take up a lot of space for one thing. Um, And often in our urban areas, that's something that's really constrained. Um, In London, I think 80% of their public space is roads. Um, We're pretty fortunate in Tasmania to have a lot of natural reserves, but in our city centres, we don't have as much public space as, as in some other areas of Tasmania. So I think choosing really carefully what we do with that space and 
optimizing it, not necessarily in terms of we should move as many cars as possible, but optimizing it in terms of how do people enjoy this space? How do people need to move through this space? How do people have options to move through this space? So I think the interaction with urban and societal uses is is a really big part of transport. One of the other holistic sides that I really like is a, a big challenge for all fields of engineering in terms of how we make sure the decisions we make are sustainable and resilient. So when we look at you know whether a project is needed, it that can be done in isolation. You can say, well, there's this challenge that's facing people. We need to move more people this way, but if you start to look at that more holistically and think about, but if we're doing that, it takes these resources and it's going to make um, a different connection less resilient and acknowledging the climate impact that different choices like that have, it, it makes you have to think a lot more critically and carefully about what is the outcome that we really want to achieve here and are there different ways of doing that? So tying back in with that urban side is that connectivity can be uh, through transport, but it can also be through spatial proximity and telecommunication. So all of these things interact and make it very complex and nuanced, but that holistic side is what I really enjoy. Awesome. It's so great to hear you talking about it because I've definitely been guilty of been being that person stuck in traffic moaning, but you don't really often think about the person at the other end of it that is doing their best to facilitate things that work best for society on a bigger scale. So stay with us listeners for part three as we delve more into all things related to transportation engineering. You're listening to That's What I Call Science, and today we're talking about transportation engineering with our expert guest, Samantha Chapman. Um, So Sam, given that you work in consulting and you've done lots of projects for a variety of different clients, so that's obviously provided a lot of very diverse experiences and opportunities to meet client needs and develop innovative solutions. I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you kind of balance the needs of the client with other constraints such as Uh, sustainable engineering practice? As an engineer, ethics is a really important part of the role. It is really important that, you know, all engineers approach things in a really factual and evidence-based way so that when we assess things that the outcomes and impacts are really well understood and so that broader societal needs can be considered within those projects. Um, Obviously, being a consultant, um, that means that you do have a particular client. There is uh, someone that is quite literally paying you and they have a project that they're really excited about um, often. Um, That's about them developing something or changing something in a certain way. It's very rare circumstances that, you know, a project is entirely um, aligned with 
sustainability and best community and transport outcomes but the role um, that I play as a consulting transport engineer is to help those projects um, through modifications actually become more aligned to those needs Um, and often there although that alignment isn't there there are some quite simple things um, that can be done to help achieve more alignment and and that is something that I really enjoy doing and working with clients on is understanding that they have certain demands and their number one priority might be getting a certain development or change to go ahead and they have different financial and timing constraints but often there are other you know, priorities and values they have, sustainability and community. Um, And often there are levers within their constraints. So they might not have the finances to do this state-of-the-art sustainable response, but they might have time up their side so they can have considered decisions and they can wait for certain changes and technologies to be available Um, So I think that there is always a way to create a more sustainable outcome with things Um, and and that's the challenge that as a consultant I I enjoy um, working through that. So just talking now more generally about engineering as a field, um, what is one impact that engineers make on society that you think is really poorly understood by the general public? And how do you think we can make the contributions of engineers more visible to people more generally? I had this discussion um, with the the various young engineer finalists around Australia of, I think as a field, engineers, um, you know, I personally am always in awe when I hear and meet different engineers of the things they've achieved. And I'm often just baffled at, how terribly we do at sharing that um, and and helping people understand um, just the incredible things that the engineering industry achieves. Um, so that, that's definitely a reason why I was excited to come on this podcast because I think that's one way of, you know, starting to get those stories and messages out there. When, when talking to those young engineers from various states, where we sort of got to was that a lot of engineering is actually really abstract. Um, So we fall back on things that people can comprehend. You know, we work with construction, we work with mechanics, we work with electrical components, but we don't delve into how broad and holistic a lot of the um, roles of engineers are in those areas. And one of the other things is that engineers um, work in teams both directly and the way that engineering projects contribute to society is there are so many different small interacting complex components that come together and create what engineers do. I think a lot of the things that engineers help achieve are around the quality of life that we have. And even that itself is a difficult thing for people to comprehend and it it's not something that when I was thinking about, you know, what should I be when I grow up, I was thinking 
had any comprehension that by being an engineer that I would be involved in in those sorts of things. So I think as, as an engineer, one thing that I would like to do is to keep sort of telling these stories about the different things we're involved in um, and sharing those broad scale impacts of engineering. So the way a transport project can change a community. To, to use an example um, to show the impact, I guess, of infrastructure is actually um, if, if you go back to when the Tasman Bridge collapsed, the change that had on the communities um, at the Eastern Shore, but also in the development of Kingston, is crazy to think that changing one transport connection, albeit not intentionally, um, had such an impact in developing and growing and fundamentally changing what our um, state and Greater Hobart actually looks like. Incredible. It goes to show that there's a lot more beneath the surface and a lot more behind the scenes of what might look like a very simple road or a simple setup for a festival like Dark Mofo, like you mentioned. Actually, there's teams of people going into that work and there's a lot that we should be grateful to our engineers in our community for. So thank you very much, Samantha, for coming today to talk to us about it. Unfortunately, we've run out of time and we, I'm going to have to wrap up there, but we really appreciate your time coming down and Hopefully it lets our listeners be a bit more aware of what the engineers are doing and hopefully it will spark their enthusiasm to go and explore a bit more and to look a bit more into engineering. So thank you for tuning in today to That's What I Call Science. We love bringing you science-related content and engineering-related content and we hope that you enjoyed the show. If you did love the show, you can get in touch with us by searching That's What I Call Science or That Science Taz on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. My name is Ollie Dove and I would like to give a huge thank to my co-host Sarah Lydon and our expert guest Samantha Chapman. So wherever you are, I hope you have a wonderful week. Thanks for listening. This program was made possible with support from the Community Broadcasting Foundation. Find out more at cbf.org.au. You've been listening to That's What I Call Science, brought to your station and across the nation via the Community Radio Network. You can find That's What I Call Science on all major podcast streaming services and social media platforms. Like and subscribe for on-demand science updates from the team. That's What I Call Science is proudly recorded in Tasmania at Edge Radio. Head to edgeradio.org.au for more information on how you can support community radio. Gemmaker are a proud sponsor of That's What I Call Science. Gemmaker provide expert advice, services and training to commercialise new knowledge and technologies. Go to gemmaker.com.au for more information.